the Humanity Church podcast, a place where meaningful conversations around living by faith, being known by love, and becoming a voice of hope are shared with the world every week. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and will join us live on Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, online or at the historic Fox Theater in beautiful downtown Pomona. We also host humanity groups that meet all throughout the city and online to continue the conversation and support you in your ongoing spiritual journey. Find one near you by visiting humanitychurch.com. If you would like to financially support this podcast or the ongoing work at Humanity Church, you can text any donation amount to 84321 and give directly from your phone. Now, here's this week's podcast. My name is Marla Neighbor. This is our second to last week in the zoology series. There are so many animals in the Bible. I don't know if you realize that there are so many animals to choose from, so feel free to continue it on your own. Uh, But we're going to do this series continued in the platform that we've been doing it all along, which is two short talks, and then we get to actually have real life, face-to-face conversations in person. It's crazy church stuff, y'all. I know on a Sunday morning, doing more than looking at the back of someone's head is a little wild, but y'all, this is just a taste. This is just a taste of what's to come. No, I'm just kidding. Maybe. I don't know. We'll see. Let me pray for us. (laughs) Lord, thank you for the chance to worship this morning, to lay down the fears, the worries, the stuff, the weight, the to-do list, the performance, the pretense, Ah, and just breathe for five seconds, sit still long enough to hear your voice. That is where joy is found when we look you in the eyes and we see the delight that you have in us. And we delight in you too, Lord. I delight over the fact that you're delighted. It's just like a delight party in here. And I pray, Lord, that you would take the joy that comes from knowing that we have a God who is for us, that the creator of the earth is our greatest champion, that you are on our side, that you are at our backs, that you go before us, you do all things to set the universe up in our favor. Let us tap in to that beautiful mercy with no strings attached this morning. Change us in Jesus' name, amen. You know, we, we like to think that we like the idea of second chances, especially when it comes to us. We love second chances for us, but there's that person out there, right? There's that someone, there's that part of us that's like, okay, yeah, maybe for everyone but them. We hear about the atrocities, about the violence, about terrible, terrible, terrible things that humanity does to each other. And we look at that and we think, okay, yeah, maybe second chances are okay for everyone but them. So the natural next instinct is to think, why doesn't God do something about that? But if we're really honest, even below that comment inside of us is this question of, why doesn't God do something about them? Why doesn't he take care of them? And when, when there's an infraction, I'll call it, or an exchange, uh, a wrongdoing between two people, there's a couple of things that are a part of that equation. So one 
is that there's a, a desire, an innate desire for justice, some sense of justice where that thing that was taken needs to be returned or if that thing can't be returned, then the price needs to be paid. There's a calling out for justice inside of us. But there's a second element that's a little harder to see and a lot harder to name when there's this infraction between two people. And that is a relational breach, this invisible relational breach that occurs between two people where something else is taken besides what was physically stolen. Maybe it was, maybe it was your dignity. Maybe it was your respect. Maybe it was your confidence in who you are. Maybe it was your dream. Maybe it was your future. There is some relational breach that occurs every time there's this infraction between two people. Broken trust. Go on down the list. I have um, two little guys. uh, One's five, one's six, Jackson and Colin. And I love eavesdropping on their little uh, moments of trying to work out their, their tiny little problems with each other that are so big, such a big deal in our home. And uh, just yesterday, so Jackson wanted whatever Colin had in his hand, a toy, yanks it out of Colin's hand, and Colin has perfected the scream that goes down the spine. <laughs> and I can see why, because it gets results. So the moment that Jackson took that toy directly out of Colin's hand, the scream that occurred afterwards, and then Jackson immediately, immediately gave it back. I'm sure also because he knew that Q's mom. Um, But he gave it back, and I'm watching this exchange from the kitchen far, far away. And, And so this happens, and then Colin, toy in hand, goes off into the corner over here and is still sulking and crying. And Jackson's like, bruh, (laughs) like, dude, I gave it back to you. And he was still upset. And Colin turns around and he's like, but I'm still sad. And we believe in in, uh, expressing ourselves in our household. Uh, So why? Why? Because the toy was given back, but... There was this relational breach that had taken place between the two of them. And we have a phrase in our house that I am sure they will grow to love and hate over the years. And that is, Jackson, this is where my voice came in. How are you going to make it right? So Jackson goes over to Colin. He's like, will you forgive me for taking the toy? Colin immediately, you can see, instantly, shoulders start to relax. He turns around. 30 seconds later, the toy's on the floor somewhere. Nobody knows where it's at because they're off playing and doing great together, right? So there was like a restoration that took place in that process between them. But what about when it's not a toy? What about when someone's identity is stolen? What about when someone's life savings is taken through a business partnership deal? What about when there's families that are destroyed, lives that are ruined, dreams that are stolen, futures that are robbed. What about those things? What is God going to do about those people and those circumstances? But 
the problem with God ridding people, ridding the world of people who do wrong is that he'd have to rid us right along with the world. I mean, that person that you've despised for putting themselves and their own needs before everyone else's, that's been you and me too. That person that you didn't even know their name, that you cursed on the freeway on your way to church in the rain this morning, that's been you too. That's been me. We've been the one who wasn't paying attention. We've been the one who wanted to cut ahead. And what about those people that you look down on, that you're better than? The ones who gossip or the ones who made the same foolish mistake again? I don't want anyone pulling the curtain back on my life because that is all over my history. And, you know, Jesus said in the New Testament, he talked about how when we have and indulge that slow burning anger against that one person that you love to put your energy towards, that is the same murderous spirit as a person who actually commits and takes a life, commits murder. So there are no amount of good things that can ever actually take care of that second infraction thing where there's a relationship breach. There is no amount of good that could actually permanently bring us into perfect relationship with God again because You know, me and God, as of this very moment, we might be good for the next five minutes. But I guarantee you, five minutes from now, I am going to think something. I am going to do something. I am going to say something. And I will be right back where I started. So what's the answer? Because God is a God of justice. But he is also a God of mercy. And God started off centuries ago by giving the Israelites this symbol of being restored to him again. It was a representation of this perfect and innocent living thing that was sacrificed, which I know is not something we're used to, but it was something that they were very accustomed to back then, but was sacrificed. And by the shedding of its blood, it represented this moment where we were brought back into relationship with God. You guys know what animal I'm talking about today? Any guesses? The lamb. It began with um, the, what I'll just call the first Passover when, you know, Moses let my people go, Pharaoh. Moses was about to take the Israelites and lead them out of Egypt, out of slavery. And before he did, there was this moment where this symbol took place, where the, the Lord told the people, okay, you sacrifice a lamb, you put the blood of that lamb on your doorpost, and you will not incur the punishment that passes over these people. And that's where it began. And this tradition ensued for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years where there was a sacrificial relationship of sacrificing, killing these lambs, spilling the blood, and having this representation, this symbol of being back in relationship with God again. In fact, it was very interesting as I looked into this, they would even 
bring the lamb in one week prior to the actual sacrifice. And so this perfect, unblemished, innocent lamb who was more, was more like a pet would be in their home for a whole week. And I don't know, we used to have diapers for the chickens kind of thing. Like, I don't know how they, how they managed that inside their home. But this lamb became very personal to them. And that sacrifice meant something to them. 700 later, years later, after that Passover moment, the prophet Isaiah, this guy who wrote the book of Isaiah in chapter 53, he spoke of the lamb, the lamb, the sacrifice to end all sacrifices, the Lord God who would represent this sacrifice on behalf of all humanity that one day would end the coming sacrifices 700 years after the Passover and then 700 years after he wrote those words Jesus walked the earth and was a fulfillment of that very promise and this is why we needed Jesus to end those sacrifices because there came a point where have you been in a relationship where you've uttered the phrase I don't want to hear your sorries I want to see action. (laughs) There became this routine of sacrificing to God where it was like one of those empty saris where they would sacrifice and they would just turn around and they would enter right back into the mess. No sacred space for God and the relationship. And that's human nature. That is who we are as a people. We are drawn to think that our ways are better. And God was unwilling to be separated from us in that way. And so he offered up Jesus to take our punishment, our full-on punishment, so that we would no longer have to be subjected to the consequences of our mistakes, our infractions, our struggles, and our sin. And the biggest consequence being separated from God himself. And so this is what John John the Baptist and John, different John. This is what John the Baptist said, and his life was geared towards preparing the way for this Messiah. And he saw Jesus, and this is what happened. It says in John chapter 1, verse 29, the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This one phrase would change the world forever. That Jesus would be the ultimate sacrifice that would end this cyclical need to constantly bring something as a symbol of our coming clean and coming in connection with relationship with God. But his death, his death was a representation of this moment of restoration between us and God, just like all the lambs before him. But his coming back to life is the thing that actually makes that choice available to you and me today for all of eternity. That is the reason that we no longer have to follow this symbolic act of death and blood and covering with God because Jesus was the final 
lamb sacrifice that ended all sacrifices. His resurrection proved he was God, and his coming back to life is the opportunity that is given to us today because that becomes a choice now for us. And we, to this day, we will never be able to fix, to earn, to do enough good things to breach that gap between our holy and perfect God and who we are. And he did it for us. So this poses a big problem for humanity because it forces us and invites us into a decision. All of us have to figure out who this Jesus is to you. We already know he walked the earth, right? We have historical indisputable, no historian, no archaeologist will ever argue that, the, that Jesus existed. So now you get to decide, okay, so if he did truly walk this earth 2,000 years ago, then who is he to me? And for me, that moment of decision came uh, on a really crowded, smelly bus after 10 days of working on a house project in Juarez, Mexico, with a bunch of college kids, who I listened to the translator repeat this very story about the sacrifice of Jesus over and over and over to the friends of mine who were with me. And I think that they thought that I was like sold out for Jesus just because I dusted off a Bible I found and joined the ranks without really truly knowing what that meant to have a personal relationship with him. But in this quiet moment on the bus, on the way back after 10 days of not showering, I'm looking out at these dusty roads and telling God in my heart, all right, Jesus, if you're the real deal, then I want to give my whole life to you. And I don't know if you've ever had a moment like that or if you've had a season where you're like, at some point in this general area of my life, I chose to give my life over to Jesus. But that is the decision that God puts before us today. Because God doesn't want, he does not want to take any of us out. God is not looking at us, even those who have already made that choice, disappointed. He's not waiting for you to get your act together. He's not waiting for you to get it right. He's not waiting for you to come clean. All this talk about I can't enter into the Fox Theater because God might smite me. That, I'm like, you, you are the very person exactly who the Lord is like, yes, you. I especially want you because it is a thousand percent conditional on the sacrifice that Jesus himself made for you. And it is, has nothing to do with you earning it. So the more messed up you are, the, the better. Because then you will know that you know that you know that when God transforms you from the inside out, that he has got to be real because you recognize the mess inside of you. So for those of us who have already made that decision, you've had that moment, you've reached that point in your life where you're like, me and Jesus, we're tight, like, we got this thing. But maybe you've picked up some things along the way. Maybe there's something today that you're still trying to earn 
that you're still trying to prove. Maybe there's a worry. Maybe there's a fear. Maybe there's a weight that you have taken on that you forgot that he was the Savior, not you. And so that's my invitation to us today is that we would let that one final sacrifice be it because Jesus reminds us and reminded his followers in the, in the New Testament, he said, God desires mercy, not sacrifice. So if there is any part of you that is still striving, that is tired, that is weary, that has taken too much on this morning, this is your opportunity and your invitation to receive God's mercy again. Thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope that it was a meaningful experience and look forward to having you listen in next week for another conversation from the heart and soul of Humanity Church. You can find more information about our community at www.humanitychurch.com.